Welcome to another Tyrius cast. I'm Kevin Crewell. And I'm Jim McGregor. And one of the hottest topics today, and rightfully so, is 5G communications and cellular networks. It was all the hype just a year ago, but it has become reality much quicker than anybody forecasted. However, despite that, as with any cellular transition, there's going to be a few naysayers that are you know, negative on the technology and skeptical of the promises that 5G bring. So we're going to address some of those misconceptions and negative perceptions in today's podcast. Jim, you want to get started on what you think is the, the problem here? Yeah, you know, I think it, it, there's several things. First off, why do we have negative perceptions? One thing, I think it's history. You know, historically, to roll out a new technology, wireless technology like this, it's taken a decade. And sometimes it may be five, eight, sometimes even 10 years before some regions actually get the technology. And even the regions that are on the leading edge, it's been kind of slow to adopt, you know, over time because you have multiple, you have two networks that are completely different going at the same time. That's a little bit different today, which we'll talk about in a little while. So you think the well the 4G LTE transition that took a took quite a long time did that sort of that sort of overshadows what what's going to happen in 5G? I think it does. I think it does. And you know and there's other issues with the perceptions as well. I mean some of the carriers are a little and OEMs I should say for that matter are a little bit behind the curve. So if you're not on the leading edge of 5G or a new technology obviously you're going to be rather pessimistic about it or even negative about it. You know, we're not even going to see an Apple iPhone uh, with 5G until sometime next year at the earliest. And there's also always misunderstanding about the technology and some of the misperceptions that we've seen range from Oh, it's not ready. No one needs it. My only, it's only for businesses, or the radiation is going to fry your brain, or it's going to kill your battery life. I mean, there's a lot of different misconceptions that are out there right now. Well, you know, actually, it's not just Apple that has released new phones without 5G. Google released their new Pixel phone, and the Motorola Razr came out, and neither of those had 5G as well. So. There's, there, there are some leading-edge phones, but there are a number of phones that still haven't come uh, stepped up to the 5G. No, I agree. I agree. And it's rather disappointing, quite honestly, to see companies like Google. Google had a chance to finally pass Apple and didn't take it. Apple obviously had its own issues trying to get a modem out from Intel. You know, there's a lot of reasons for it. But quite honestly, if you're looking at 5G, you have to be, you have to, if you're really going to look at it, from an honest standpoint, you have to say the 5G is here, it's real, and it's coming a lot faster than any other technology before it. So what would you say is different about 5G compared to its predecessor? Well, there's a couple of key points. One is there's a single global standard. We've never had this with any cellular transition before. You know, if you remember with 4G, we had WiMAX, we had LTE, you know, and they were kind of battling it out for a few years before, you know, everyone kind of settled on LTE. This time we have a single global standard. And it's based on the same radio access technology that 4G is, the Orthogonal Frequency Division Multiplex, or OFDM for short. So... Basically, that, it's building... Say that three times fast. 
or orthogonal frequency division multiplexing. Orthogonal frequency division multiplexing. Orthogonal. Or, okay, I can't do it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried, <laughs> but it's basically the same technology that was used for 4G with some enhancements, obviously. Which means that they're building on the networks they already have, so they can have the 4G and 5G networks, or operating simultaneously, or basically using the 4G as the fallback, which is natural. And it's going to be a lot easier to go between those when they're using the same radio access technology. And there's also some new technologies that are really enhancing 5G. Things like dynamic spectrum sharing and millimeter wave. Now, millimeter wave probably has the biggest misconceptions out there. But millimeter wave is a significant enhancement, not just for fixed wireless access, but also for mobile. Well, millimeter wave brings a lot of bandwidth to the, the, the 5G picture. Although, uh, moment wave, I should note, is not going to be available in China anytime soon. But what, what do you think of the misconceptions around millimeter wave? You know, a lot of people think it's only line of sight and that it's, you know, as, as you described, somebody said it would fry your brain, which is completely, uh, completely a misconception and how millimeter wave works. Yeah, that actually came from my Uber driver the other day, and I didn't feel a per- I didn't feel it was right to correct him while he was driving the car. <laughs> you know, I think part of it is it's a new technology, so obviously there's some concern or some misunderstanding, or I should say, ignorance about the technology. It's probably they're probably associated with microwave, like microwave ovens, but that's 2.4 gigahertz. That's not millimeter wave. Exactly. The other part is, is that a lot of companies really fought it. They didn't want to go with millimeter wave. They didn't see it as an option. So they didn't invest in it. So obviously those companies that didn't invest in that technology are going to be negative on the technology. And quite honestly, a lot of them are spreading stuff that they shouldn't. You know, and, and I'll be honest, even we were a bit hesitant to say it could be used for mobile applications. Fixed line of sight you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, you got high-speed connection, high bandwidth. It's it's perfect for that. But using it in a mobile device, how are you going to do that? Especially when you got technology that can be blocked by just about anything, including a leaf, not to mention your hand around a handset. But, you know, Qualcomm and others really prove that it can be used for that with multiple antenna arrays. And the fact that millimeter waves can bounce off everything. They don't penetrate buildings. They don't even penetrate a person like lower frequencies will. So it naturally, if you have different antenna arrays within a phone, and a lot of the phone vendors that are uh, OEMs that are using it today are incorporating three or four different antenna arrays, basically those arrays can bounce signals in all different directions. And I have to be honest, the demos are quite impressive. You don't have to have line of sight, and you can still use millimeter wave technology, and it's still very effective. Yeah, it's like you don't have to have line of sight with the sun to, to get warmth and, and light from the sun. It bounces off other walls and such, and that's exactly how millimeter wave is working. It bounces off other walls and it still can get to from the transmitter to the receiver without it being in line of sight. And, and the fact that millimeter wave is such a high frequency and doesn't penetrate actually would make it safer than any other uh, radiation. So that's... There's so much fallacies there, so many uh, misconceptions. You're right. Uh, there are misconceptions. And the technology is advancing very quickly. I mean, we're already seeing the status of new chips, new devices, network rollouts at an alarming rate. I mean, from the chips, we have companies, you know, just from the baseband modem perspective, you've got a, a chips either from these companies or being introduced very quickly. You've got Qualcomm, High Silicon, Samsung, Unisoc, 
all coming out with modems or having modems available. You've got RF solutions. Right now, Qualcomm has the only complete RF solution, which most of the current handsets are using. But you've got Corvo, Broadcom, Skyworks all coming out or supplying different parts for 5G solutions. In terms of devices and networks, it's incredible. This time in the 4G rollout, there were only three uh, handset OEMs that had devices and only four carriers that had 4G connectivity. We already have 30 carriers, more than 30 carriers providing 5G services and over 40 handset OEMs providing devices. Last count, I saw there were 80, but I know there's even more now, more devices out there. Or actually, just smartphones. I think when you count all devices, you're probably well over 100. Yeah, I expect the the rollout to really pick up. I mean, it's already picked up quite a bit. Wait till 2020 kicks. We should see it. I think everybody will have a 5G phone by end of 2020. Yeah, and I don't think people realize how what how quickly the networks are rolling out 5g unlike 4g and 3g it's become a competitive race between not just carriers but also between countries to say that you know we're on the leading edge i mean south korea skt in south korea started rolling out in late 2018 they already have 1. million subscribers that's 15 percent of subscribers in south korea and they expect to have 2.5 million by the end of 2019 Verizon has 13 cities and 13 stadiums, so they're using it not just for a metro area, but also for, you know, dense environments. Um, They plan to have 30 markets covered by 2019. There's other networks rolling out in across Europe. TIM has over 10 cities in Italy. Throughout Russia, China, you mentioned, was very aggressive. We've got several rollouts that just began in Japan. And even in some of the regions, like South America and Africa and stuff like that, carriers are already looking at and trying to figure out their 5G rollout strategy and working with governments to make sure that they have the spectrum necessary for it. That's great. I mean, it's a lot of progress being made in a very short period of time. It is a significant capital investment for the carriers, though. And But I think in the end result is once they have a, a rolled out 5G infrastructure, uh, over time, this is going to be and more efficient for them, and uh, it'll pay dividends in the long run. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think what most people don't realize when it comes to the wireless technology is that it's a race to keep up, and that's really what it is. We're combining so many new devices to these wireless networks and increasing the amount of data we use through social networking and high, you know, high-resolution video and images and everything else and gaming that... It's really stressing out these networks. We're in a race just to keep up. We have to use Spectrum, which is a very limited resource, more efficiently, continuously over time, and, and try to find ways to increase bandwidth, increase the quality of service, increase the user experience at every generation. And that's not an easy task. So what other, other remaining challenges are there for 5G? Well, you know, I I would say that some of the pushback on 5G is warranted. You know, like with any new technology, there is going to be a rollout period. I don't think it will take a decade to roll out 5G like it's taken with 3G and 4G. It'll take a couple of years, I think. In some cases, they're looking at complete coverage in like South Korea and China and the U.S. 
within two years. That means 2019, by the end of 2020, we're going to have complete coverage with 5G, which is phenomenal. But it takes time to roll out those new networks. Obviously, they start in metro areas, the dense urban environments first, and then kind of roll out around there. There is still some spectrum that has to be figured out in some regions, you know, where countries have to allocate the spectrum because each country does it differently. There's evolution of the technology. Some of the first handsets had to use multiple baseband chips, one for, you know, 4G and one for 5G. Then they had to use additional antennas. So when you're using more chips and more antennas, you know, that not only takes up space, it, it can consume more power if you're not doing it efficiently. So... Obviously, the technology is still evolving. Eventually, we'll see a lot of that stuff, especially the baseband. That'll be not only down to one chip, but that'll all be integrated into the SOC eventually. And there's also a learning curve of the OEMs. You have to remember that, like with 4G, even halfway through the 4G rollout, we were seeing handsets that were having thermal problems. They were overheating just because the OEMs didn't understand the design or how to use the technology effectively. So there's a learning curve not just in the technology evolving, but understanding how to use and design around the technology. Oh, understandable. I, I think that's, we'll, we'll learn a lot in a short, very short period of time. So have, have we addressed all the negative perceptions that we've, we've seen about 5G, that it's not ready, but it is? No one needs it, but everybody wants more bandwidth. What else? I mean, you know, there, there's been a perception that this is a, the 5G is only going to be useful for businesses, but I, I, I really do think that plenty of consumers will wind up using the capability of 5G in a short period of time. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems with 5G is there's not a killer app. And I think the, the I know the carriers are struggling with this too. How do you go to the consumer and say, you really, really need 5G because it's going to improve our network usage and it's going to improve your user experience. That's not really a, a very powerful statement for consumers. When we went to 4G, it was all about mobile broadband. Guess what? You're going to be able to do gaming, social networking, watch videos, all this stuff. And some of the people said, well, we can do that with, uh, with 4G LTE. We don't need 5G. Well, that's not true. Those networks are getting loaded. And you're going to want to do more. You want to do higher resolution for those higher resolution screens. You're going to want to do more social networking, more gaming. Everyone wants to do more. You give them a technology, they find a way to use it. So consumers, there's not a killer app, unfortunately, but every consumer that uses it is going to get a benefit from it. And quite honestly, I don't think any consumer should be looking at a new device right now unless it's got 5G. Well, and in that, I think that the fundamental issue is that in order for everybody to get online and get all the, the, the data they want, whether it's video or, and, and video is not just downloaded. There's people who are streaming video all the time now as well. With more and more people doing this, they, we need 5G to, to efficiently use the bandwidth we have. There is no new spectrum coming on board. Spectrum is, you know, is, is, is the only, what we have is what we have. So we got to use it more efficiently. And a few bands show up here and there, they, they wrestle from other applications, but the usage models are just exploding. So therefore, we really need to use what, what, what a spectrum we have as efficiently, efficiently as possible. And that's, and that's what 5G will help do. So I think the, the, the real benefit is, is that efficient spectrum utilization. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of where millimeter wave comes in. And congrats to Qualcomm. They proved to the industry and to the world that it works. And it works for mobile. 
and you know, and it's it is safe. It's not something that's going to fry your brain and or you know necessarily kill your battery life. Matter of fact, I want to refer to a some studies that were done by the Signal Research Group, and you can find those online at the Signal Research Group website, where Thelander's actually gone around and actually tested the networks. And what he found, like key finding was, was it's very much like what we've done with processor technology. If you can improve or reduce the time you execute a task, you can reduce power consumption. So we're adding antennas, adding all this performance. Are they increasing the power requirements for these devices? Yes, overall, or theoretically, if they're all running at the same time. But every time you transmit something or every time you execute something, if you can shut everything down right after you do it, if you can do that transmission in a very quick burst, then you don't have that huge power draw. And what he found out was that the 5G networks are much, much more efficient than the 4G networks. So if you design your handset properly and use all that those resources, spectrum, and technologies like dynamic spectrum sharing properly, you should get equivalent and or lower power consumption on that mobile device just from, obviously, the communications. Yeah, I can't talk about your screen and everything else you're doing on it, but it should not impact your battery life significantly. Yeah, I, and that's assuming, well, so that's assuming that you're, you have a fixed function you're trying to perform. Now, the, the, the real world, what's going to happen is people will use the, the network more than they had in the past, and therefore, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the point where it's nominally the same power, but you just get much more bandwidth and efficiency out of it. So you'll get to use it more, which is what people will do over time. Yeah, and you have to realize that these things are now always on. They're listening to you for the digital assistant and everything else and all the other sensors that they have going. So not to mention higher resolution screens. So it's unfair to categorize battery life just based on the wireless technology. Battery life is a much bigger function, but the wireless technology is improving rapidly. And even if it is, you know, kind of a power hog today, which, like I said, if you're doing things efficiently, it shouldn't be it's going to get better and better and better over time. Yep, I agree. And so hopefully we've done a, our job to help demystify 5G to some people. So I think with that, we should wrap up Curious Cast. Is there any other points you wanted to make before we wrap it up? No, I just think that people have to realize that 5G is reality and it's here today. It's If you, if you haven't looked at it and if you're looking at a new device, whether it's a phone or whatever, you should be asking for 5G, just like you did with 4G. So please remember that we're Tyrius Research. We're a market research and advisory firm. We provide custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies beyond just 5G. If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly at Kevin at TiriusResearch.com or Jim at TiriusResearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S Research. You can also visit our website at www.TiriusResearch.com and please keep up with us on social media. We're at Tyrius Research, at Crewell, that's K-R-E-W-E-L-L for Kevin, and at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K Strategist for myself, Jim McGregor. And we also have articles on Forbes, EE Times, ECT News, and other media partners. And we then also we post, post our white papers. papers. 
and we post white papers and other material on our website. Also look for more information and podcasts from us in addition to our Tyrius cast, but we also are doing podcasts with EE Times as well on a fairly regular basis. Thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Tyrius cast or recommendations for future Tyrius casts, please contact us directly. Again, that's us. I'm Kevin at TyriusResearch.com, uh, or you can contact Jim at TyriusResearch.com. And thank you, and have a great day. Thanks for joining us.